The season of Lent is upon us. Uh, traditionally, throughout the church, uh, as Lent comes around, this, this is kind of a ramp up to Easter. This is a time of anticipation, a time of, of looking to Easter and, and the life that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lent is a time that, that as it leads up to that, it, it reminds us of our need for a Savior. And, and that's where the, that tradition of giving something up for Lent comes from. As, as people give things up for Lent, there, there is, there's a sacrifice in it. Not this, not this idea of, of just going to pass on chocolate for a certain amount of time so that we can check the boxes, but this idea that there's a, a yearning and a desire to have that chocolate or, or whatever that thing is, that we are not satiating. That, that that desire is going unquenched. And that that desire would, would liven our minds toward a greater truth, a greater need, that for a Savior. That's where that, that tradition comes from, of giving something up for Lent. And, and in Protestant traditions, oftentimes we don't do that. I, I don't know if anybody here has done that. But as we are, are preparing our hearts for Easter, in this Lent season, I'm asking us to, to do something different. We're, we're adding something. We're looking at these spiritual disciplines. At the, this idea of how do we come in step with God? How do we uh, grow closer to Him? And as we talked last week, we can't make ourselves more holy. We can't bring ourselves closer to God. We're relying on His grace to draw us there. The spiritual disciplines are spiritual in nature. That, that God must work in them for us to get that benefit. But at the same time, they are disciplines. Even though God is the one who must act and must pour His grace on us, He still calls us to work. And somehow we live in this tension. And so that we put ourselves in a place where we're ready to receive God's grace. We put ourselves in, in a heart set and a mindset that when God is pouring out His grace on us, we can see it. And so this this first discipline that I want to look at this week is, as we are, are trying to just come a little bit closer to this idea of how can we come in step with God is the discipline of, of Scripture reading or, or Scripture intake, let's call it. The input of Scripture into our lives. As I said, many of these are, are going to seem self-evident. We, you ask Anybody, what's a Christian supposed to do and read the Bible, pray, go to church? These things just pop up. And so I don't think anybody is, is right now blown away by this revelation that I said, we need to have the Bible in our lives. We, we know that. We, we say that. But how do we do that? So that's what I want us to look at today. The, the Bible is a book unlike any other. It's a book written over thousands of years by many different people, and yet it all comes together and tells one story. It all points to that old, old story that we sang about. 
In its pages we read, it says of itself that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It says that it will revive our souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It makes us wise. Proverbs uh, says the same thing, that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that as we look at these words that God has given us, He is faithful to do that. Isaiah the prophet gives this, this promise that, that as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout and giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but shall accomplish that for which I send it. So we, we have this book in our hands. We have this book on our shelves next to our bed that God is speaking to us. This book that promises that, that in here we, we see the secret of life. That the Holy Spirit uses these words of truth to draw us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we can have life. We have this book with a promise, but what do we do with that? So let's just kind of walk through today levels of engagement with the Scripture. We're, we're going to look at, at levels of, of scriptural input, I guess, is, is what we're saying, intake of Scripture. But I want to start just by hearing some from Psalm 119. We're going to read verses 9 through 24. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of the Bible. All throughout the book of Psalms, we we see again and again the the psalmist pointing back to the Word of God and and its sufficiency and, and our need for God's Word. And Psalm 119 is a huge Hebrew poem that continues to look at the Word of God and what it does in our life. And so we're going to read a couple of stanzas out of this old poem. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth and the way of your testimonies. I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. 
Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes plot against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. We see in there again and again as as you work through that psalm, as you work through several others, promises, truths, mixed with this cry that, that God would reveal to us what he has for us. And he does that in many times, many ways through his word. So, so the first level of engagement, looking at, at how, do we, how do we take in God's word in our life, the, the, the entry level, if you will, is just hearing it. Hearing the word of God. When, when I stand here and read God's word to you, this is the most important thing you'll ever hear today. Everything I can say about God's word is secondary at best. God's word is what's important, and we need to hear it. And it helps us then to hear it and to work through it and and. and Try to understand it more. But we need to be hearing God's word. And how can we do that? Well, weekly we can do that as, as we gather together. In this church or, or other Bible teaching churches where, where God's word is made much of. Where, where we look to God's word for our life. We hear it read we, we hear it ex- expounded and, and looked into. As, as the people of Israel had been off in exile, and then were, were starting to return back to Jerusalem, and, and they, were, they were starting to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls, Ezra the, the priest found the book of the law, and he stood before the people and he read it. And it says that then he and those around them taught it interpreted it for the people so that they could understand, so that they could hear the word of God and understand it and know how it applies. And the people were, were just filled with wonder, filled with dismay at seeing how their lives didn't match up to God's word. And, and they called for a life change because of what they heard in the word of God. So at the very least, we need to be gathering together to hear God's word. To hear it read publicly, to hear it preached and expounded. And weekly we can gather together we can do that. And, and so we can say, going to church is one of those spiritual disciplines. You know, we can, we can hear it daily on the radio or, or podcasts or, or any number of other places as we hear uh, Bible teachers looking at the Word of God and reading the Word of God and, and, and working through what that means. A word of warning in there, though, is that there are many false teachers. There are people out there who, who would claim the name of Christ, but... Teach something selfish. 
and we need to be careful to weed those out. Those who, who, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, come as wolves among the sheep. And we need, to, we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. How do we do that? In Acts chapter 17, Paul had, had gone to a group in Berea teaching this truth about Jesus. And these people, it says in Acts 17, as they heard him teach, as, as they heard the words that he said, they, they were moved by it, they were impressed by it. But what they did then was to go back to Scripture and look at what Scripture said to see if what he said was true. Paul came teaching, preaching. He told them about Jesus and what, had, what Jesus had done and how there is life in Jesus. And then these people went into Scripture. And of course, Scripture for them means what we call the Old Testament, right? And they looked through those prophecies and they looked at how that lined up with Jesus. And, the, and because of hearing Paul's message and checking Scripture to see if it matched, they said many of them believed and were saved. We've got to be like those people. In Acts chapter 17, those Bereans that gathered together and looked at the word of God in order to see if what they heard was true. In order to be like those people, we have to take the next step. We can't just gather together and hear. We have to read it for ourselves, don't we? We can't just come together once a week and, and hear it. Though that's a great entry point. That's a great place to start. But we don't learn to crawl and then just spend the rest of our lives crawling because we found a mode of transportation that works. Right? So we don't stay there. We need to step to that next level and read God's word for ourselves. To know what it says. And that happens little by little. A, a lot of the education in this country began around that fundamental idea. Let's gather young children together and teach them to read. And here's a Bible and let's read. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 after he's just been baptized, and the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, it says. We see that, that Jesus undergoes so many temptations, and, and we see three of them listed there. As the devil comes in and tempts him on different ways, tempts him physically, tempts him uh, for, for matters of pride or, or matters of his own destiny and ministry, and as as Jesus faces these temptations of Satan. What does he say? Every time Satan comes with a temptation, Jesus responds, it is written. And then quotes scripture to him. Satan comes as Jesus is hungry and says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
And that hunger that Jesus felt at that time, that, that hunger that, that we even see in a time of Lent where, where we're stepping aside from something, that hunger points to something deeper, that need for God's Word in our lives. That just as our body needs food to continue, our spirit needs the Word of God for life. And I don't think there are any of us that will go home today and have, have a nice big roast with potatoes and carrots and whatever else and have, have a great meal and fill ourselves up. And then tomorrow say, no thanks, I don't need to eat. I had roast yesterday. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday say, no, 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 I'm good. I ate on Sunday. I don't need any more. Our bodies remind us we need more. Sadly, we don't always hear our spirit when it is telling us we need more. To read God's word, to to spend time in it, is necessary. Hey. British preacher John Blanchard in his book How to Enjoy Your Bible writes this in regard to that question of how often do we need to read Scripture? Surely we only have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems, temptations, pressure? Every day. Then how often do we need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. To catch all these felt needs up into an even greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face, hear His voice, feel His touch, know His power? The answer to all these questions is the same every day. As the American evangelist D.L. Moody put it, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Daily, again and again, we need the truth of God's Word impacting our life. We need the truth of God's Word showing us what is true and and what is good and what our own mixed-up minds can try and tell us as waiting out against the truth of the gospel needs to be placed in submission. Now, we can do this in all kinds of different ways. We, we had introduced this Bible reading plan. We still have a few of those back there on the table, and, and I'm going to print more of those off. That just, in five days a week, runs you through the Bible in a year. If you have a plan like that, that's great. If you have a study Bible, in the back of that, there is often that same kind of plan. Just on average, if you read about three chapters a day and five on Sundays, you'll get through the Bible in a year. And it walks us through then every piece of God's Word so that we can know it. Now, there are some who are going to look at that and say, that, that's, 
I, I can't. That's, that's too much. Let's start smaller. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. And the longest month that I know of has 31 days in it. So we can look at what today's date is and open up to that chapter of Proverbs. And a chapter of Proverbs a day is going to do a lot for just putting God's Word in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. So that when those temptations come, we can answer, it is written. And speak God's word to Satan, rather than just trying for our own willpower. And how is it that that Jesus was able to have those responses on the tip of his tongue and right there in his heart? The answer we like to give is, well, he's God, so of course he can do that. I mean, it's his word, right? Jesus, fully God and fully man. Luke chapter 2 tells us he grew in wisdom and in stature. From the time he was a young child, he he was hearing Bible stories from his parents. He was reading the, the scripture. He was reciting the scripture. He was memorizing the scripture. Day after day after day, he was doing these things. And that's the same way we do it. Little by little, reading God's word bit by bit. From, from just that entry level hearing it to then reading it. And then we need to get deeper so that we do have it on the tip of our tongues. We, we meditate on God's Word. We meditate on it. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. And even as we read in in Psalm 119, the psalmist there speaks of meditating. In verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Now, in our day and age, meditation has got kind of this bum rap. We hear meditation and, and we think of, of weird Eastern religions and om and sitting in weird positions. That's not what we're talking about here. There's a kind of meditation that the idea is to just empty your mind of everything. That's not what the Bible's talking about. When the Bible talks about meditation, it's not talking about just emptying your mind of everything. It's about filling your mind with something that's worth it worth it. It's filling your mind with the things that we read here. The, the word for, for meditate is, is kind of this word to like murmur. To, to just un, under one's breath just be repeating the same thing over and over again. Do you remember before we had cell phones? And somebody would tell you their phone number? You had to write it down, right? But somebody told you your, their phone number and you didn't have a pencil and a, and a pen, a pad right there. And so what do you do? They tell you your phone number. And you're like, okay. And you go find that pad and pen while you're repeating that number again and again and again. And so that when I get there, I can write that number down quick before I forget it. 
That's kind of that idea of meditation. To just keep on that topic. As we read in God's word and as the spirit of God points something out to us. As we read the words, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Maybe that's what we just think about for a while. Teach me your statutes. And as that idea goes around in our heads, we come to grips with the fact that if we have to be taught something, we don't know it. We don't know what's best for us. If God needs to teach us something, we need Him. If we need His statutes, there must be something good in those statutes. And as we just keep thinking about that idea, we meditate on it. And the Holy Spirit of God takes His Word and plants it deep in us so that it can do good in our lives for His glory. We meditate on it. We, we think on it. We mull it around. We, we, we roll it over in our heads. We, we brood on these things. And sometimes we use, we use tools for that, right? We, we put a verse down on a sticky note and slap it up on our mirror. Do you remember when we were in the book of James? We talked about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We wrote that on a sticky note and put it up. And we see that again and again and again, and our mind meditates on that truth of God. To the point that then we internalize it. We go from meditating on something to memorizing it, to to putting it in our arsenal to use. So that when the temptations come, we can respond, it is written. So we hear the word of God. We, we read the word of God daily. We meditate on it and roll it around and, and get it in our heads. And we need to be memorizing it. So that we have these things at our fingertips. So that when we, we want to burst out in anger and we want to just tear somebody down, we can, we can recall Paul's words to the Ephesians to, to be angry, but in your anger do not sin. Don't give the devil a foothold. So we're never going to lash out in anger again? Of course we will. But we have God's word in us to be able to act against that. We have the spirit of God working in us to mold us more and more into the image of the Son to where finally we can apply God's word to our life. Because really what good is all the rest of that if we don't finally apply it? We can hear God's word. We can show up in church and we can do all the right things. We can read God's word. We can even meditate on it and memorize it. But if it doesn't get applied to our lives, it's of limited, if any, value. And so even as we work hard to do these things, we submit ourselves knowing that we are still relying on God's grace for this to take root in us. Because what good does it do us to, to memorize things about the dangers of gossip and to then, then run out and talk about what a gossip this person is and did you know that they did this and this and this? Or to talk about how we should speak the truth and love to one another and then go out and lie 
to everybody around us. So we need this word applied to our life for the kind of change that God wants to make in us. So our challenge this week is to see where we are on on those levels of engagement. Are are we just blank on the whole thing and, and we just need to hear God's word spoken? Then let's commit to coming together and doing that. Or are we already there and we need, we need to read it? Or we read it occasionally and we need to read it more often? We're meditating on it, memorizing it, and applying it. So that God is doing His work in us for His glory and truthfully for our good. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the truth revealed in your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your continued work in our lives. God, you are more faithful than we are. And so even as we struggle to find ourselves in this continuum, as we struggle to to be consistent in reading and and to... If we're honest, sometimes even desire to read your word as we struggle for these things, we know, Lord, that you are surpassingly faithful in all of this. And so, God, we pray that you will take these meager offerings that we have of of our time, of our effort, and we thank you that you use them in mighty ways in our lives. Jesus, help us to to burn with a desire for your word. Help us to, to crave your word as we do food. And thank you for the work that you do in our lives through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.